looks now. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. Uh, let's all stand and sing as Brother Ken comes to lead us this morning. Amen. In your blue songbook today, in your blue songbook, hymn number 244, Amazing Grace. You probably won't need the words anyway. We'll just enjoy ourselves this morning as we sing this old hymn. Amen. Hymn number 244.
Pray for Brother Paul and Sister Mary Barton's daughter. Uh, the Bartons are a precious part of this church. They've been shut in for a couple of years now with health conditions. Their daughter has been diagnosed with some significant medical issues. Pray for them. And then uh, we've got a couple of folks in our church, Sister Big, Sister Pat Stanford, both of which are battling cancer treatments. And we've got a whole host of requests that we're giving downstairs. But let's kind of focus on now just a few minutes, uh, not on this, but on uh, just going to the throne room and worshiping for a little bit this morning. Uh, I don't know about you, but I, I, I need some time to worship today. So let's just go to church this morning. Brother Gerald, you open us up in prayer, and let's just ask the Lord to meet with us this morning as we take our request to him. Brother Gerald, pray for us this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this opportunity that you've given us to come back into your house and study another portion of your word. Lord, we thank you already for the blessings that we've had in the Sunday school hour, for the word that has been planted, Lord. We just pray that you will take it and, and use it to, to your benefit, Lord, to your will. Lord, we pray if there's someone here that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, just touch their heart. Help us to say something, to do something that will help them see their need for salvation before it's eternally too late. Lord, we pray for Brother Greg as he brings forth the message that you'll just hide him behind you, Lord. Just step in front and just, just bring out what you would have. Glorify our missionaries, we pray that you'll be with them. Give them souls for the labor, Lord, not only in foreign countries, but here on in the United States, Lord. We're in desperate need of our country being healed, Lord. And we just pray that you would just, just step in and, and just continue to, to bless. Thank you for all that you do for us. Thank you for the upcoming service, for the things that you are, are doing, Lord. We just thank you so much for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Love this song. Love the words behind it. An old, old Bill and Gloria Gaither song. If you've been saved for any length of time, you'll have to amen that he gets sweeter every day. You listen now as uh, Miss Bolio sings, The longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. Thank you. 
appreciate your presence this morning. I got a lot of announcements to go over with you this morning, so give me just a few minutes, if you would, please. Uh, first of all, uh, we'll have our regular 6 o'clock services tonight. If you're participating, young folks, let me know. We'll have our Jubilee Choir practice at 445 here in uh, 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 the sanctuary. Then uh, this coming Friday, I've got the right day, the wrong date. This coming Friday, not the May 13th, so it'll be the 12th, uh, we will be heading down to the Burlington Tent Revival for their youth night, leaving here at the church at 515. Uh, bring money for a fast food meal, so keep that in mind again. That's open to anybody that wants to come with us. It is specifically uh, for youth night, but that means anybody that wants to come is welcome to come. On May the 28th, a couple of few Sundays from today, we'll have our baby shower uh, for uh, Victor and Christy Foley, their second. Uh, it is, of course, a boy. We'll do that during the Sunday school hour, and will that be that'll be in the teen room? Uh, so keep that in mind if you would. Also, our upcoming golf tournament. Uh, thank you for those that have already spoken up that you'll help out. We're looking for whole sponsors, uh, looking for teams to play, volunteers, anybody that wants to help with that. You see, brother Ken. Uh, that, of course, uh, goes to help support our upcoming teen conference, which will be this summer with brother C. T. Townsend. Then I've got some other special events noticed in there or dated in there. Our final Awana for the year, the Child Care Center graduation on Sunday, May the 21st in the PM service. Our Awana graduation. Last uh, Awana will be the 17th, the graduation on the 21st. And I also have noted Sunday, June the 4th. The first Sunday in June is always graduation Sunday here in our church. And so if I've missed anybody, I need you to let me know about it. Now, these are attendees from our church. Uh, uh, so uh, if you are an attendee in our church and I have missed you and you're graduating, if you'll let me know about it, uh, we'll be sure to get that updated. As always, we'll have some display tables for the graduates to set up their things, and we can honor them on that Sunday morning. Then uh, I want to call your attention to a few other things. Uh, if you, you are going with the Senior Saints on our trip to Withville, uh, the cost is not 110 It is dropped to $100 per night because of the number we've got going. But we need you to sign up and pay by this Wednesday. Again, if you're going with us to the Withful trip uh, to see the uh, gospel play there at the Wolf House Dinner Theater and spend the night up there and do a little bit of shopping on Saturday, you see Brother or Sister Upchurch, but you've got to sign up over here, and then you need to pay by Wednesday night to Brother or Sister Upchurch. Also, please note there uh, a, a couple of things that are brand new. Just in the middle of your bulletin on the right-hand page, our church now has a new website. Uh, fantastic new website, modern, uh, uh, looks fantastic, new graphics, new pictures, really looks first rate. Uh, I put out on our Facebook, uh, new website, new pictures, new images with the same old message. Amen. That part hadn't changed, but you take a look at that. And then also, a lot of you have been asking what this is out here uh, uh, in front of our postal area. Uh, that is a, a selfie wall. Now, if you're my agent above, you couldn't give two cents about a selfie wall. Amen. But uh, I noticed there were a whole bunch of young folks taking advantage of it during our Ladies' Jubilee. So uh, if you want to take a selfie, make sure you hashtag SAGBC. I feel like such a dork even saying that. Amen. But uh, you keep that in mind. Uh, I, the young folks are just smiling, and the old folks are going, what the heck is a hashtag? Amen. But uh, uh, you keep that in mind if you would. And, of course, so I've got my email address in there. Then I want to talk to you for just a moment. Again, on the bottom right-hand side, we've been talking about this for a few weeks now about the option for online giving. And again, I call it an option. Uh, you can, uh, 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 of course, continue to use your tithing envelopes, but if you would like the option of giving online, the instructions 
are in your bulletin. Uh, we've actually even simplified it a little bit more from what was in there before. The thing you got to remember is you need to sign up for that, and it's an easy, easy sign up. I promise you it takes about 15 seconds to sign up, and uh, this morning on the way to church, or right before we walked out the door, actually, uh, I get, did all my ties as we left. It was easy, easy, wonderful, so if you want to take care of that, if you want to utilize that option, uh, you make sure to do that, and that is IRS acceptable. That means you don't have to worry about the envelopes. Uh, you get a running record at any time you want it. It's always available to you, so you uh, take advantage of that if you'd like to do so. And then I want to read uh, a card for you this this morning before the kids head out. I can remember as a kid, I used to get so tickled at my mama because when it was time to read something, she couldn't do it until she said, where's my glasses? Where's my glasses? I used to laugh at her. Where's my glasses? Amen. Says, Peter, Preacher Greg, I want to thank you and my church family. Beautiful wreath. Uh, thank you all, family, for the card sale visit. Most of all, for your prayers. This is from Sister Patsy Gunner. Oh, how I miss being at church. I certainly miss all of you all. I want you to know that I love you, and I thank the Lord for my church family. My life right now is difficult, but uh, I'm not able to go anywhere. Sure, it makes me feel help, hopeless and helpless, but I know in God's time I will rise up again. I praise Him for life He's given me, and most of all, I praise Him for salvation through it all. God has been good to me. That's pretty sweet, isn't it? You continue to pray for Sister Patsy if you would. All right, let me get all the young people who are heading to children's church, junior church, and nursery. You come on and make your way down this morning. Everybody heading to children's church, junior church, nursery. You come on this morning, and if you're visiting with us, they're going to collect any loose change you got. This helps support our ladies' programming here at the church. Take off, young folks.
let me pause just a moment and say to all the visitors, normally our church doesn't look this awful. <laughs> In fact, yesterday when uh, my wife was uh, decorating, I was upstairs studying and uh, getting ready for the message, and I came down, and she said, what do you think? And I looked at her, and I said, spiritual wickedness in high places. Amen. Brother Tim walked in this morning. Tim Helber looked at me and said, preacher, I'm not going in there. I'm not going to church. He's up in the choir. He said, I hold you personally responsible for this. And I said, yeah, because you have your wife in submission as well, don't you, buddy? Amen. Uh, and then the second thing I said to my wife, I said, spiritual wickedness in high places. And then I said, number two, every bit of this better be down by sundown. Amen. In fact, I had a great idea that I believe is divinely inspired. All you rednecks, if you'll bring your pistol tonight, we'll have target practice at the end of service. Amen. All right. Of course, uh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Go shoot Keith. That's right. <laughs> All right. Brother Ken, you come down here, buddy, if you would, please. As painful as it is for me to do this. <laughs> Brother Ken, we love you. We appreciate you. Thank you for what you do. Uh, I can't imagine trying to do this now without him, uh, and I want us to all let him know how much we love him. Wish him a happy birthday. Appreciate you, my friend, so much. Let's sing together this morning. Stay standing. Let's sing. Happy birthday to you. Thank you so much for your generosity, Brother Ken. Thank you for what you do here. Thank you for your gifts to him this morning to show him you love him. I sure appreciate it. Let me get all the folks come down this morning. Ushers, you come on, make your way if you would, please. Brother Cassidy, you come get ready to sing for us. I know it'll be a blessing to you. You give as under the Lord. And again, our online system is live. So if you want to take advantage of that, you surely can. And you can also use the envelopes as well. Let's ask God's blessings upon the offering. May it be what you'd have it to be. Lord, we love you this morning, and we're so glad to be in your house. Lord, I say this all the time. We sure don't take it for granted, the fact that our doors are open and that we have the opportunity to come and worship this morning. Lord, I pray that you bless us today. Use us now. May this uh, offering be what you'd have it to be in Jesus' sweet name. Amen. I can do anything for God. 
His sweat became as drops of blood that fell to the ground. Surrendered to the Father, the Son was bowing down. So humble and so willing to die on a cross that lie ahead. But needing strength this moment, I wonder if he said, Until I kneel and pray, hear what you say, oh what have I to give? Until I take some time, just you and I alone. Until I ask what you would have me do, get my orders from your throne. How can I be real until I kneel? If Jesus took the time to pray, then surely so should I. I'm just an empty vessel needing power from on high. If I'm to reach a soul in need, there's something I must do. Bow before you, Father, for my strength must come from you. Until I kneel and pray, hear what you say, oh what have I to give? Until I take some time, just you and I alone. Until I ask what you would have me do, get my orders from your throne. How can I be real until I kneel? Oh, how can I be real until I kneel? Amen. Appreciate that song, brother. That was good. Let's all stand together. Grab your hymn book again. Hymn number 243. Victory in Jesus. We'll sing the first verse. Of course, have a time of fellowship. That's hymn number 
so much let me get our ushers to make their way back down this is the first sunday of the month which means it's mission sunday here at the church and we're honored to continue to support nearly 80 missionaries now uh, and if you want to use the online system for that you can do that simply designate your uh, gift for missionaries and it will go to that uh, ladies if you'll play for us and we're going to get into the word this morning father bless the missions offering thank you for the opportunity to support these on the field in your name we pray amen
right, John chapter 11. Thank you, ladies. Gospel of John this morning, chapter 11, if you would, please. Again, John chapter 11. We're going to be looking at a story that uh, I'm sure everybody in the church is well aware of. If you've been in church for any length of time, you know the story of Lazarus being resurrected from the dead. You know the story behind it. You know the details around it. But I want to look at it, I hope, with a fresh set of eyes this morning, and a little bit of a fresh glimpse. While you're turning there, I'll share a little something with you, put a smile on your face. I, somebody sent me this this past week. A lady was going over in her Sunday school class, her first, second, third grade Sunday school class, all about the creation. They'd spent a whole month talking about the story of the creation as recorded in Genesis 1 and 2. And so uh, the teacher wanted to do a summary, so she stood up on Sunday morning and she said, Now, how many of you remember the details about the creation? And hardly nobody raised their hand. And she said, Oh, come on, class, you can remember. We talked about it on what day God created what. How many of you remember the details about the creation? Finally, little Johnny raised his hand and she called on him. Johnny stood up and he said, Well, here's what I remember. He said, God created the earth, and then he rested. And God created man, and he rested. And God created woman, and neither he nor man have rested since. Amen. <laughs> and every man in the building said, you bunch of pansies, the rest of you, amen. <laughs> All right, John chapter 11, please. I, I get inspiration for messages from a lot of places. I, I get oftentimes inspiration from church signs. I love to read church signs and sayings that folks put on there. In fact, a few weeks ago, I told you uh, the story behind the message that I, that I wrote from the, from the sign that Brother Biggs had put up about for every Goliath, God has a stone. Uh, this particular, I get inspiration for conversations. I get inspiration from, from of course, other messages and, and reading and studying. But this particular inspiration from this came a few weeks ago when I was reading uh, one of my online education periodicals, uh, something that I subscribe to. In fact, it was uh, what I used to subscribe to. I keep it as a K-12 educator. And I don't even remember the name of the periodical but because I, I get several of them. And I was reading a passage in bed, uh, and uh, uh, the story that, that, that was in this passage spoke to me, and I hope it'll speak to you. It was a large school system in a large city that had a program, this is a true story, to help children keep up with their schoolwork during stays, whether they were out of school or in city hospitals. We sometimes here call that homebound education. One day a teacher was assigned to the program, and she received a routine phone call asking her to visit and serve as the homebound of a particular child who was in one of the local hospitals. She took the child's name, she took the room number, and talked briefly with the child's regular teacher who was in her school. The teacher said, a fourth grade teacher, we're studying nouns and adverbs in class now, his regular teacher told her, and I'd be so grateful if you could take this workbook and help him understand so that he doesn't fall too far behind. The hospital program teacher, homebound teacher, went to see the boy that afternoon. No one had told her 
the reason he was in the hospital, and she was stunned when she walked in and saw that his body had been badly burned and that he was in tremendous pain. Upon the sight of the boy, again, she was unprepared. She stammered as she introduced herself and told him, I've been sent here by your teacher to help you understand nouns and adverbs. So she sat down and gained her composure and did her best to help him work through the lesson. When she left, she felt quite confident that she had not accomplished very much and frankly felt a bit ashamed. The next day, she made her way into the hospital for a follow-up. She was greeted by the boy's nurse who said, what did you do to that boy? The teacher felt that surely she had done something wrong or inappropriate or that her reaction had caught him by surprise and she began to apologize. Oh no, the nurse claimed. You don't know what I mean. We've been worried for weeks now about that little boy, but since yesterday, his whole attitude changed. He's fighting. He's responding to treatment. His attitude has improved. and It is as though he has, after weeks, decided to live. Two weeks later, the boy who was making a full recovery had sat up in bed, excited every day as the teacher arrived. Everything changed, he explained, the day she came. The doctors and nurses began to ask him what happened, what accounted for the transformation. He expressed it this way. It suddenly dawned on me that they wouldn't send a teacher to work on something like nouns and adverbs with somebody who was dying. Now would they? The article went on to say, Hope is defined as that which is wanted, which can be had, or the understanding or knowledge that events will turn out for the best. There are two kinds of hope that we often talk about. The one is a kind of perhaps or unrealistic or I think it might expectation. I'll give you an example. Tomorrow is the final day of exams at Patrick Henry Community College for the spring semester and indeed for this academic year. There are perhaps some students today who are sitting at home and maybe they have in the back of their mind, man, I hope it snows tomorrow so that the school will be canceled and we won't have exams. That's a hope that's built on a maybe or I want it to. There's a different kind of hope that the Bible describes for the child of God as the hope that's inside of each of us. It is that understanding. It is that recognition. It is that realization that for God's kids, everything's going to be okay. That understanding that despite the circumstances, despite the trial and despite the tribulation, that things will work out for our good and for His glory to them that love God to them who are the called according to his purpose. John chapter 11 describes what is without a doubt one of the most hopeless cases in all of Scripture. Anyone 
who's reading this passage, who's looking at these surroundings, they understand that Lazarus is dead. There is no hope. But may I pause just a moment and say to every believer in the building this morning that even in the face of seeming hopelessness, our Father and His Son step onto the scene and remind us that in any situation, He can take the hopeless and turn it into a celebration. He can take our test and make it our testimony. He can take our trials and transform them into what is a well from which another generation can drink. I want to give you, with the help of the Lord this morning, a message that I've entitled, Hope for the Hopeless. Hope for the Hopeless. There'll be several verses that we'll look at, so rather than reading them in advance, we will read them as we go through the message this morning. I'll give you three thoughts. The first thought is simply this, that when you look at John chapter 11, when you flip the page from chapter 10 to chapter 11, things have changed dramatically, and in chapter 11, you seem to have what we might describe as insurmountable problems insurmountable problems. Let me stop just a moment before we read a single verse and say to you this. Don't let anybody try to convince you that God's kids don't have problems. Don't let anybody try to tell you uh, that the reason you're enduring difficult times is because uh, you've done something wrong. Now let me suggest to you that we always need to examine our lives and see if God's trying to get our attention. But the reality is uh, that problems are part and parcel of the Christian life. What's happening in John chapter 11? Well, there is first of all the problem of disease. Can we read together in verse number 1? The Bible says, now a certain man was sick. If you write in your Bibles, underline that word sick. His name was Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore, his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. There is, as we said in chapter 11, the problem of disease. I challenged you a moment ago, for those of you that write in your Bible, to to underline the word sick. You understand that the word sick, even in our language today, has many different connotations. Someone who has a cold might be described as sick. Someone who has terminal cancer might be described as sick. Someone who has some mental difficulties or some social difficulties or some emotional challenges, all of them might be described in one way or another as being sick. You understand that there is a big difference between someone who's sick with a common cold 
and someone who's sick with terminal cancer. There is a vast spectrum that encompasses the word sick. I want you to understand that when the Bible says that Lazarus was sick, it means literally that he was weak, he was diseased, and totally lacking in strength. We might say sick unto death. This was a terminal illness from which Lazarus was suffering. If someone calls you up and says your loved one's got a cold, you might say, thank you for letting me know. I'll be praying for them. I'll give them a call and let them know I'm praying for them and I love them. But if someone calls you up and says your family member has been diagnosed with terminal cancer and it looks bad, the family's been called in, you understand that your reaction will be altogether different than it would be if they said your loved one is sick with a common cold. In this instance, when Lazarus is diagnosed or said to be sick, I want you to understand that this is severe. This is terminal. This is sick unto death. And Mary and Martha, being the wise ladies that they were, having encountered Jesus on many occasions, did something real smart. They called 911. What do you mean, preacher? The Bible says in verse number 3, Therefore... His sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. I like the fact that Mary and Martha went to Jesus first. I like the fact that they did not exhaust all human possibilities and then turn to Jesus I like the fact, uh, surely, uh, perhaps they consulted the local doctor. Surely, perhaps, uh, they tried multiple medicinal cures. Uh, surely, perhaps, uh, they did everything in their power uh, to take care of this condition. Uh, but when all was said and done, uh, understand uh, that they went to the Lord first. Uh, and may I pause to you this moment, uh, because I want to say that's a great example for every one of us this morning. Uh, whether it's a physical problem, a work problem, a child problem, a family problem, whatever the issue is, I don't think we ought to wait till the very end to get to God. We ought to get him 911 on the spiritual phone first. Amen. There were, if you'll take a, a notice, there was a problem of disease. But then perhaps most surprisingly of all, not only was there a problem of disease, there was a problem of delay notice verse number four when Jesus heard that he said this sickness is not unto death you say whoa pastor Greg that just contradicts what you just said well the Lord explains that he said this sickness is not unto death but for the glory of God that the son of God might be glorified thereby now Jesus loved Martha and his sister and Lazarus I'm so glad the Holy Ghost put that in there because it lets us know that his reason for delay wasn't because he didn't love them keep reading and he had heard therefore that he was sick or when he had heard therefore that he was sick he abode two days 
still in the same place where he was. Then after that, saith to his disciples, let us go into Judea again. His disciples saying to him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and thou and goest thou thither again? Can I pause a moment and say this is a good warning? This shows that the disciples are very deeply concerned about the Lord because Bethany is just five miles to the east of Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, they're plotting to stone the Lord. They're trying to figure out how they're going to execute him. And so when he says it's time for us to go to Bethany, which is in Judea, just outside of Jerusalem, the disciples say, are you sure about that? You're going to be in a place where they can easily capture you, Lord. Keep reading. Jesus answered in verse number 9, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. There's a message right there, folks. These things said he. And after that, he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus, But I go that I may wake him out of his sleep. Notice the next verse. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he's asleep, he shall do well. <laughs> I think you understand what's happening here. But when they were warning Jesus about the possible attack that awaited him, Jesus responds with this simple thought that folks are going to do what they're going to do. And if they walk in the light, they'll do right. But if they walk in darkness, there's no light in them, and I can't do a thing about that, he said. He goes on to say that our friend Lazarus is asleep, and they associate that with taking a nap because they look at him and said, well, Lord, if he's taking a nap, maybe we ought not to wake him up. If he's taking a nap, maybe he needs some rest. Notice the next thing. Verse 13. And said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, verse 12, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death. But they thought that he had spoken of taking a rest in sleep. This whole episode lasts for two days. This whole conversation between the Lord and the disciples from the time the word gets to Jesus and the disciples that Lazarus is asleep to the time that he decides to move, that is Jesus, there's a period of two days. It's another two days journey to get to Bethany. So now this is going to be a delay of four days. I said to you there was the problem of disease. Then I said there was the problem of delay. I want to ask you a question. Could Jesus have healed Lazarus from where he was? Of course he could have. Did Jesus have to get physically to Bethany to heal Lazarus? Of course not. Could Jesus have spoken the word where he was? And could Lazarus have been made perfectly well in that very second? Absolutely. So why did he wait? Why did he wait? Jesus himself gives us the answer. 
Nobody understands it yet. Nobody gets it yet. But he said, this sickness, if you go back to what we read in verse number 4, this sickness is not unto death. Notice the next few words. But for the glory of God. Let me put it to you a different way. Put it to you in a way that we'll all understand. The silence and the delay of God happened for one reason. Because the Lord saw the big picture that nobody else could see. The only thing Mary and Martha saw was that Lazarus was sick. And by the time he gets there, they see that Lazarus is going to die. You know that part already. That's all they're focused on, understandably so. They've got a very narrow lens. They've got a very narrow vocal point. They're only seeing their problem. They don't see how God is orchestrating things behind the scenes that will answer their prayer in a way that they never comprehended. They saw he was sick. They wanted him to get well. When he died, case closed, God didn't come through. Can I pause just a moment and say to every believer in the sound of my voice this morning, God's silence in any situation does not mean he doesn't love you. God's silence and his not answering your prayer in the fashion that you would like it to be answered and in the time frame you want it to be answered does not mean he hasn't heard it. It doesn't mean he's angry. It doesn't mean he doesn't love you. It simply means there are things going on that we're not in a position yet to understand. There are things happening behind the scenes that they yet don't privy to the information the same thing holds true for us church there's a problem of disease there was a problem of delay and you understand that the delay led to death and that death led to doubt go if you would please to verse number 20 in the interim verses Jesus has made the decision he said let's go boys it's another two days journey Lazarus has been dead now for four days. Look, if you would, please, at verse number 20. Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said, Martha, unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. This is not a sweet little lady trying to say, we missed you at the funeral. This is not Martha saying, well, if she really loved him, he'd at least showed up for the funeral. This is Martha mad. This is Martha angry. This is Martha put out 
because every time, please get this, every time that Jesus came to Jerusalem, he made the five-mile trek east. When Jesus was in Jerusalem, he stayed often at the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. She fed him. She fed the disciples. She took care of him. She took care of his disciples. She was everything she could be. This is Martha saying, Lord, I don't understand it and I don't appreciate it. This is Martha saying, Lord, if you'd have just shown up, things would have been better. Let's not turn up our noses in spiritual indignation, folks, because this is when many of us lose the battle right here. There's a lot of people today who don't darken the door of a church who were one time as faithful as they could be because something happened and they feel like that God didn't show up in their time, didn't answer the prayer in their way, and so they've quit, they've abandoned, they've totally walked out on God. And I want you to understand, little sister Mary who sat at the feet of Jesus, she ain't even coming out the house. She ain't even walking out the door. And I can't help but think in the back of her mind if she's not thinking, well, if he can't be here for me, I don't reckon I'm going to get up and be there for him. And again, let's not turn up our noses in spiritual indignation because a lot of us has walked in those very same shoes. You to listen to me carefully. Insurmountable problems. There's disease. There's death. There's delay. There's doubts. And when this episode at this moment is done, you got two little ladies who are hot fire mad. Amen. The Bible says, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. Let's just stop right there and say amen for an hour or so. Amen. amen. <laughs> Number two. Not only, Lord help him, Jesus. <laughs> not only are there insurmountable problems, those problems are met with inconceivable promises. If we really got a hold of that, I think we'd shout for about an hour. Those insurmountable problems are met head on, square in the face, with inconceivable promises. When Jesus steps into the town of Bethany, he walks into a scene of complete despair. Everybody's in mourning. This is a small community. Everybody knows each other. This is a community where your business gets home before you do. <laughs> Amen. You don't have to worry about Facebook in Bethany or Instagram or Snapchat because everybody talking about everybody before everybody even get back to the house. Everybody knows everybody. And they're all mourning. Why? Because there were some promises about death. Go back into your text, if you would, verse 23. 
Verse 23. Jesus saith unto her, the her there is Martha. Let's go back to verse 22. Martha's got some faith, folks. How do you know, preacher? She's mad, but she's got some faith. She says, I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it to thee. I don't know what's running through her mind, but I think there's something in the back of her mind that says something like, I've seen this fellow do all kinds of miracles, and it ain't over until he says it's over. And then Jesus says in verse 23, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Hint, 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 hint. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he rise again, yet shall he live. In other words, Jesus says to her, the resurrection of Lazarus does not have to wait until a future day. It can happen now. There's some of you sitting in here this morning, and you may say, Pastor Greg, this is all well and good. He doesn't operate like that today. Oh, I beg to differ. Every person in the sound of my voice, before you got born again, you were in the very same position Lazarus was spiritually dead bound up in the rags of your sin and there was no way out of that grave except through the power of the shed blood of Jesus Christ there were some promises about death but I want you to note those promises about death quickly became promises about deliverance notice verse 26 whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Can I paraphrase this? He looks at Martha and he says, again, I'm reading between the lines. He says, honey, I know you're mad. I know you're upset. And I'm going to show you in just a few moments, by the way, church, how much of a heart he has for these people. He loves this family. He loves this brother and these two sisters. And so he looks at this woman, Martha, though she has chastised him, though she's angry at him. Aren't you glad that he doesn't throw us out every time we get mad with him? Amen. Aren't you glad he doesn't rebuke us every time we mess up and do something we shouldn't? He doesn't chuck us out the window. Now, there's a price to pay and consequences for our actions. But thank God he doesn't chuck us out the window just because we mess up. So he looks at her. And he says, believe in me, you don't have to die. Do you believe this? Now, for a lot of doubters, they'll look at that and say, but wait a minute. Her brother is already dead. Can I say to you, we're looking at the now, and 
God's looking at the big picture. Let's keep reading. Promises about death, promises about deliverance. Finally, there are promises about dependence. Notice those last four words of verse 26. He asks her a very important question. Believest thou this? In other words, Martha, are you trusting me? Are you trusting you? Are you trusting me with everything, even your own soul? I have a promise for you, Martha, that if you trust me, everything will be just fine. I want you to listen to me, friends. One of the great things about the Bible you hold in your lap are the countless promises that are at your disposal. There are promises about sin and their consequences. And let me pause a moment and say, thank God he's a God of second, third, fourth, and fifth chances. But please understand, he promises us there are consequences to sin. And forgiveness doesn't remove those consequences. But there's promises about the future. There are promises about trouble. There's promises about loneliness. There are promises about peace, about needs, about prayer. Uh, May I submit to you this morning, for every need of your life, there is a promise God has made. One of my favorite ones is John 6, 37, where he says, Him that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. Insurmountable problems inconceivable promises and finally and most importantly it all gives way to his incredible power I hope you'll amen me this morning when I say this he didn't just come with soothing words he came with sovereign power Anybody can come and say, oh, I'm so sorry I'm praying for you but man, oh man, oh man when somebody can do something about it that's who I want on the scene He did not just come with promises. He came to do something about the problem. Quickly jump to verse 33. Jesus therefore saw her weeping. The Jews also weeping which came with her. He groaned in the spirit and was troubled and said, Where have you laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Notice verse 35. Jesus wept. Shortest verse in the Bible, but man, oh man, oh man, is it rich with meaning. There's so many reasons why Jesus could have been weeping. Songs have been written about it. Volumes have been written about it. Preachers have preached about why Jesus wept. I'm going to give you a little bit of Gregology. It's deep with meaning. Are you ready? I think he was weeping because they were weeping and he loved them. The bottom line is this, folks. Jesus cared about them. And would you look at me this morning? I don't know what you're going through. And I don't need to know. And I don't know what you're facing, and I don't need to know. And I don't know which mountain you're trying to climb, and I don't have to know. Just listen to me. Jesus cares. Oh, yes, he cares. His heart is touched 
with your grief. Not only do you see his compassion, here's my favorite part. I want you to notice his connection. I'm hurrying. His connection. I love this. Look at verse 41. They took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father. Whoop. Honey, when I say this man was connected, he was connected to big folks. <laughs> he said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me, and I know that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said, he says, Lord, I'm praying out loud, not because I know you can't hear me, because I know they need to see me praying to you. I know they need to see this, he says, uh, that they may believe without that thou hast sent me. This is not for me, Lord. This is not for you, Lord. This is for them. And so he prays. Finally, his control, verse number 43, when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, get on out of here. Come forth. And he that was dead came forth bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was bound about with a napkin. Do do you see the scene here, folks? Because when they bury people, they literally wrap them up and they put a napkin across their face. We talk about the napkin when we talk about the resurrection. The napkin was meant to cover up the face. His hands are tied, his feet. He had to have been a laughing stock. He comes out. at it but that's how we looked and everybody screamed oh my god he's alive he's alive he's alive and Jesus says y'all untie the man loose him the grave no longer has a hold of him so would you listen to me this morning my last thought is simply this if he can speak the word and a dead man gets out of the grave, he can take care of your situation. If he can speak and worlds appear and trillions of stars sparkle, he can take care of your needs. If he can speak and a pile of dust becomes mankind, he can take care of your needs. If he can speak and the winds stop and the waves come, if he can speak and a blind man is healed, he can touch a leper if he can touch a deaf man if he can walk on water and take care of your need if he can feed 5,000 more like 15,000 with 5 loaves of bread and 2 fishes he can take care of us if he can speak and bring a dead man back to life he can take care of us and listen carefully if he can conquer sin and an old rugged cross if he can get out of a borrowed tomb, he can take care of our needs. Let's stand to our feet this morning.
appreciate your patience. A different kind of message this morning, but one I think is necessary. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, heads bowed and eyes closed, I want you to help me out now. I appreciate folks that are already moving. Good day. Folks are already making their way to the altar. I appreciate it. I'm going to ask you two very quick questions. First one is this, Pastor, I know I'm saved, no doubt about it, but there's something going on in my life or in my family's life that seems to be insurmountable. Please pray for us. Wow. I bet 60 hands, 70 hands have just gone up. You can put them down. Here's what I want to encourage you to do right now. Before Brother Ken sings a single note of this song, I want to encourage you to step out. Come on, make your way right now. Everybody that raised your hand, come on, come on, come on. Don't worry about it. It's looking. Just come on, come on, come on. Come on, make your way. Quick, quick, quick. Come on, hurry. I want to ask you a second question. Is anybody here this morning? You would just be honest and say, Pastor, I have the most important need of my life. I've never been saved. Something happened to me on the way home. Heaven would not be my home. Pray for me. Anyone like that this morning? Anyone like that? Brother Ken's going to sing us a song. I want to encourage everybody that has a need this morning, uh, seemingly insurmountable, I want you to step out. uh, Just bring it to this old-fashioned altar. Let us pray with you. Would you come? Brother Ken, you sing for us this morning.
Lord, I come to you this morning on behalf of our precious sister. God, as we bow this morning, Father, I just pray, Lord, that you would bless Brother Joyce and his wife. God, for the years they've spent together, Lord, how they've stood by one another. God, I pray you be with him, Father, as he looks over his wife. And Father, helps to watch after her. And Father, for her health, Lord, and the issues they're going through. God, you knew this would come by their way. Father, we understand that nothing takes you by surprise. Father, at times, Lord, we just don't understand. God, we pray, Lord, for strength for the Joyce family. God, that would you give them, Lord, everything they need. God, in order to endure this situation, Father, and this issue. God, we know, Lord, that they're your children. Father, they have accepted you as Savior, Lord. And, Father, trusting in you, God, for salvation, Lord, and for eternity. Father, I know they're looking forward to the day, Lord, when they step into heaven. God, while they're here on this earth, Lord, God, continue to give them strength for the journey. Father, give them everything they need in the hour, God, that they need it. God, we love you this morning. Father, may you strengthen them. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Six o'clock tonight, Little Change, Jubilee Choir. We will sing, no practice, but we will sing tonight. Youth night this evening, fellowship with each other, shake hands together tonight.